am so glad you found my show because the game is about to change for you. Yes, and is the only mantra you need to amplify the quality of your life. And this podcast is going to show you how. We'll explore high vibe living, entrepreneurship, and how to build habits that last. All through the lens of an improviser. See, the improv mindset keeps you moving forward without a script. And all you have to do is let the words yes and illuminate the path. Okay, did we just become best friends? Well, you certainly found your new favorite podcast. Yes and with me, Judy Holler. Let's do this. This is a Soul Fire production. You're listening to episode 69 brought to you today from the Soul CBD studio. Listen, if there is one way I love to reduce my anxiety and catch a vibe, it is with CBD and using Soul CBD's 500 milligram oil drops under my tongue every morning has become a much loved ritual in my life. So I am beyond excited to have them as a podcast sponsor and share them with you. And guess what? Each time you shop using Yes and 1-5, Yes and 15, you're not only going to catch a vibe and get 15% off, you'll be supporting this podcast and the team it takes to produce it for you each week. So check out the link in the show notes to shop and learn more. Well, hey there. Welcome back to the show. You hear me shuffling a deck. I'm going to pull from Gabby Bernstein this week. I always like to open the show with a card pull just to sort of set the vibe, you know? And if you're looking for a, a mantra or some inspiration to guide your day, this is the sign you've been waiting for. Lord knows I need one of them. Um, so here, we're going to pull a card from the card deck by Gabrielle Bernstein called The Universe Has Your Back. And I'm closing my eyes. Deep breath, deep breath. What is it going to be today for us? What's our card today? All right. And I've chosen this card and I'll read it to you. It says, oh, I love this. I find a deeper meaning and personal growth amid the discomfort. Ooh. Now, if you're here and you've been hanging out with me for a while, you know we are on a mission to help you get more comfortable being uncomfortable. This is what the improv theater taught me the most, right? This notion of being brave enough to look silly, to fail, to get it wrong so you can get closer to getting it right. And I love this reminder today, right? Because I can get caught up in perfectionism just like you, right? So, I'm going to sit with this today um, all day long to really find a deeper meaning and personal growth because every time you fail, you really are growing. <laughs> it's the most important data stream you have as a human being, but we're going to find deeper meaning in that failure and that discomfort, right? Because we are growing and we can't avoid uncomfortable things. We can't avoid challenging <laughs> people, places, and or things. But what we can always control is how we show up despite it. So let this be the reminder you need today to find deeper meaning and personal growth despite the discomfort. I also want to start the show by shouting out our listener of the week, our review of the week. Every week I pick a review. Sometimes I go back into the archives. Sometimes I pick the last one that was submitted. But either way, every time you leave a review on iTunes, 
it means the world to us. So I want to reward you for that. So I'm going to pick a winner, a listener, a review of the week every week, and you're going to get to go shopping on our Fear Boss store. Compliments of you because you left a review. So I'm going to let you go shopping and I will get you those details once you've been picked. And this week it is Maddie Bry 1207 who writes 39 and fine. Yes, baby, you are. She also writes, I'm so thankful I came across this woman. She's so uplifting and real with a little twist. She keeps it real and holds you accountable for your success. We have to save ourselves. Oh, damn. Now that's a, that is a mic drop. If I've ever heard it, uh, what a beautiful review. It was the last one that had just came in on Monday of this week. Uh, it's a Wednesday. I'm recording this on a Wednesday for you. Uh, and this will drop next Wednesday, but I picked the last review and Maddie Bry, that's you. So thank you for that review. And by the way, notice how easy that was. It was like two sentences and it means the world. So Maddie Bry, make sure you shoot me a DM on Instagram at Judy Holler. And my Instagram will be in the show notes, or you can email me at hello at judyholler.com and we will send you all the information. So you know how to claim your prize and you can go shopping. And if you want to be our next listener of the week, all you got to do is leave a review on iTunes. It's that easy. Okay. So I am beyond excited Oh my God, I'm smiling so big for you to meet our guest today, the one and only Johnny Cuff. Okay, so I've been following John for years and saw him on stage as a keynote speaker the summer, legit, the summer I started my business. And it was when I was hardcore side hustling, but like hardcore side hustling. Like I was getting really close. Like I was using all my vacation days to go to conferences like the one I saw John at and to do paid speeches and all this stuff. And it was literally like, I don't know, eight eight to nine months after I saw John on stage that I had the conversation with my leadership and I left my job. So, I mean, he, I, I saw him on stage at such a special and important time in my life because I was finally ready to do this for myself. And I think if there's any regret I have, I don't have many regrets. Um, but damn, one of the regrets I, I think I do have is not doing this sooner, right? Not believing in myself, not trusting myself. And I'm not talking about this, the podcast. I'm talking about this work that I do specifically as a speaker, author, and now podcaster. My goodness, I started my podcast in January of 2020 before the world went crazy. But gosh, imagine if I had had the guts to start it five years before then when I really wanted to, or to really speak at the age of 30 when I wanted to, instead of waiting, uh, you know, six years, five years to, to think about doing it professionally. So when I saw John, it was such a, a pivotal and important time in my life. And it was epic. I left inspired and I knew, I was like, dude, I want to be doing what that guy, that guy is doing. So five years after that, I saw him on stage again in the fall of 2019. And since then I was able to get ironically sort of connected to him through mutual friends. Yes, we've got mutual friends. And, you know, I find out he knows about me and my work and I'm like, hashtag, holy shit, fangirl moment. And 
last month, maybe it was two months ago, two months ago, in the mail, I, your girl, got an advanced copy of his latest and, by the way, best, best book, in my opinion, soundtracks. So I felt like a million dollars. I felt so special. And I was like, oh my God, John Cuff knows who I am. So it's totally a full circle moment to have him on the show. And listen, I've had his name on a wish list for 12 months and the universe just granted that one. So I'm such a fan. He's the shit. He's the real deal. And he is beyond talented. He is magic. Oh, magic on a keynote stage and his book, his latest book and all of his books are so funny, so funny. So I really, really, uh, truly and sincere, sincerely, like as a performer, as a writer, as an author speaker, I look up to him so much. He's someone I model my career after. So I know you're going to love this interview with him. And that feels way too formal. This conversation I have with him, we talk about imposter syndrome. We, we talk about preparing for speeches and being a keynote speaker. And he shares writing tips and how to organize your ideas for a book. So if you have a book on your heart, he gives you some really good ways to get focused and to find out if it's the right idea for a book. We talk, of course, about comedy and we're both uh, the same age, right? So he's a little bit older than me, like by six months. But we talk about how awesome the 1990s is. And of course... We talk about how to change the negative soundtracks in your head. Oh my God. I, I cannot, I cannot even with this interview slash convo slash certified vibe check. It is so fucking good. So here is my conversation with Johnny Cuff, a New York Times bestselling author of seven books and Inc. Magazine top 100 leadership speaker and damn just an all-around incredible human being. Johnny Cuff, I am so excited you are here on the show and we're going to dig into all things soundtracks, um, which you have a big banner behind you. I mean, you, oh, you can see away. that. Yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't know if that was coming through. It's subtle. Yeah. I like to, I'm a quiet fellow. So yeah, I was like, like definitely don't make it bright yellow. Don't make it's it bright yellow. Oh, so good. It's so good. So, okay. I've got to just jump off with this one thing. I think you and I are the same age. So like maybe on the count of three, tell me when you were born, like what year you were born. Okay. Cause there's some reasons. I don't think I, we are. You seem younger than me. Not dude, like. I, I take just, that as a compliment. Like I, yeah, I got those. Yeah. Maybe it's the neon and like all the, I don't know, Could things be. in my set here. But on the count of three, I just want you to tell me when you were born. Okay. Okay. The year. Okay. One, two, Three. 1975. Oh, 75. Ah. Okay. So we are close. Okay. And here's how. But I have so much wisdom in that last year. Like, I can't wait to really just give and give today as somebody <laughs> born in 75. I think <laughs> listeners are really going to sense that extra year. They're going to be like, Weird. This guy is from like yeah. the year of the rat. I think he, that might be the year. He's one born. of my know. people. He, the yeah. year of the rat. Yeah. I don't know. So buckle up if you two are 1975 or you're in for a treat, but I'm 76. So we're close. So I was reading uh, your most recent book, Soundtracks, which we're going to talk about today. And I literally, uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you uh, about from the book, but I literally fell on the floor. Like I dropped the book when you mentioned 
Pineapple Willies and Panama City Beach. Oh, yeah, PCB, baby. PCB. Dude, first of yeah. all, I hadn't heard about, pie- I hadn't even thought about Pineapple Willies since like, well, maybe because I don't remember much about Pineapple Willies because yeah. I think anybody yeah. that went to spring break in Panama City around. It's not a library. It's not it's a library. It's not a library. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. people don't. And so I was just like, what a cool reference. And I just hadn't thought about it in a million years. And then, of course, you have to bring up Rob Bass and uh, oh, Z yeah. I did an event with Rob Bass. I opened, uh, I did an event. Uh, he was a musical actor. I was the speaker for an event. Are and you like, shitting I me? quoted half that song in my speech. I was like, I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the oh microphone. Oh my God. Like, so I yeah, did. it was yes. him and a bunch of other rappers. It was a, an event for DJs. So that's what's fun about what we get to do. Like you yeah. get to go do a bunch of different disconnected, but still fun things. Oh my God. That's so dope. Yeah. If I could come back in another life, I'd love to be a DJ. Uh, no doubt about it. Oh my gosh. Street magic and DJing are like, those are the two things that anytime I see somebody (laughs) on Instagram, who's able to like put a car, like a cigarette through a card and then people cheer in the street. I'm like, nothing in my job has that sort of reaction there's like i, so I can't good. go down the street and be like here's an idea here's a joke and people go crazy so yeah. we'll see i don't i think i still have time for it you can become a magician later in life i think yeah you like, sure you can a gentleman's why magician why not why not dude i met a lady i just had a lady on the show petra kohlberg the other uh the other week and she talks about perfection she is 60 years old and became a dj at 50 like seven like there a dj she's like, out there on the ones and twos it's insane. She's scribbling. So it is on my like wish list. And anybody that li- listens to the show knows I'm not only infatuated with um, music, of course, but all things 1990s, specifically 1990s hip hop. So I had to jump off off with the 1990s oh, yeah. reference and we of are course. we are family. So I'm 44 yeah. years old. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, okay. So John, I, you know, I know you, you're, you're an author, a uh, New York times, bestselling author, my goodness. And you've written so many incredible things to which we'll link up in the show notes on all things, John Acuff. But, you know, I've seen you on a couple of stages. I saw you for the very first time. Um, and this is what began my journey following you and really uh, studying your work and just sort of you as a, a, a writer and a storyteller and most certainly a performer, uh, you spoke at, and I was only a member for like a year because then it got kind of weird, uh, National Speakers Association. You were like one of the keynote speakers and I saw you on stage there and we have like the awkward like photo in the lobby. I was like, John, your speech was awesome. Can we get a photo? Like, so like funny. I have that awkward photo, right? That was in uh, like Austin. I think we were it in was Austin. Austin. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great destination. Uh, so I saw you there and it was super dope. And I remember sitting there going, this is more like stand-up comedy, surprise stand-up comedy meets mad inspiration. And I love that you like own that in your book, Mm -hmm. Soundtracks, which we're going to talk about because you really surprise and delight. And I most recently saw you in 2019 at the Story Conference, which is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite conferences and one of my favorite communities. And, uh, you know, you, you are fucking hysterical and oh, it's thanks. probably why jim gaffigan endorsed your book yeah uh, isn't that nice of him i mean oh that's god yeah, such a champ that way he's i love this so did i make this up have you i know you have been hired by comedy central have you ever worked in comedy what i'm trying to say is like what how do you do that? And what makes you this yeah. way? Because you really are, John, hysterical. And for those of you who haven't listened to John, he's so funny, um, but you'll leave so inspired. And so you pack a big punch, but you wrap it in a comedic ribbon. And tell me about that. Were you born this way? 
No, I mean, my family always valued comedy. Like my dad, I went to comedy shows as soon as I turned 18 in Boston with my dad. I mean, mm. I think I saw Carrot Top multiple times as an 18-year-old um, <laughs> and then Brian Regan. And so it was always a value. And then like, I'm not even the funniest one in my family. I think my youngest brother, who's a lawyer, is the funniest one in the family. No but way. I always valued it. I was always interested in it. I started to study it. Um, the only time I've done it, like pure, I've done it twice, pure comedy. Once was... I finally got up the courage to do my own comedy show after telling people for years I was going to do it. So I did two nights at Zany's and did a 60 minute set that took me months to write. It was sold out, super fun. And then um, I got to open for Dolly Parton at the Ryman, which is bonkers. Oh, and it's um, such a great story in your book. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, so I did comedy that night too, but no, I just like, I'm, I love that Chris Rock says there's some things people won't listen to unless they're laughing at the same time. Mm. And I use, so I use humor as a vehicle for truth. Um, mm. I enjoy doing it. It's authentic. Um, I like studying. And then also I realized, I don't know, in the last 10, 12 years, there's not a lot of business speakers who employ it. So yeah. it ends up being a niche. Um, yeah. And so, and, and I, I was in corporate America for 15 years and went to so many boring conferences. And I'm like, this is killing me. There's 800 words on the PowerPoint slide. The joke came out of like a can. It was like a can yeah. of jokes that the person cracked and you're like, oh. Yeah. And so I knew that if I got the opportunity to go speak at companies, I wanted to make sure the humor came across. And it's, that's how I feel like I naturally like to communicate. Like I just, I just uh, recorded an episode of my own podcast. I have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal. And I just yes. recorded an episode about things nobody tells you when you graduate college. And one of them was like, <laughs> have an exit plan from your parents' house. And yes. when my parents- my parents moved, I was in my early twenties and I had to find a place to live. And a friend of ours was like, well, my parents have a retirement home in a trailer park that they don't use in the winter. And I was like, okay. So I lived there and I started acting like an old man. Like I literally started sitting in the rocking chair, put an mm -hmm. Afghan, like I asked for a foot massager for Christmas that year. Like that's how like, and my parents were like, you don't need a foot massager. You're 23. And like, if I had stayed there much longer, I would have shriveled up like that guy in Indiana Jones. And so like, I tell that story on the podcast. Cause I'm like, that's a funny, true story. Yeah. It illustrates the point. And so, yeah, I just love, I just love communicating that way. And it's, I think it's fun for audiences too. Yeah, it is. And what's so cool about it is you don't, like you said, you don't expect it. And so I'm an improviser by trade, studied at Second City. And so hence, yep. Yasan, name of the show. And you certainly model that in the work you do. Uh, but what's so great is we love as improvisers to pair things that don't go together, right? Discomfort oh, and yeah. joy, right? You know, and so I'm always looking for that in my work and in the shit I create, right? I'm always talking about like, you know, your job, you're really, and this is another thing I loved about soundtracks because you got that DJ reference all over the place because your job really is to remix things, right? Nothing's really new. Nothing's really original, but John's take on it is, right? John's stories about overthinking and starting and finishing and how you write seven books and how you uh, deal with the guilt of travel while raising kids and how you start a podcast. Yeah. All, all those things are things we all deal with, but what makes it cool and what makes it an original soundtrack and an original remix is your spin on it. And so that's really one of the big things I picked up in soundtracks. And so can I read something to you from your oh, book? totally, yeah. That'd be weird? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so on page 29, you write a quote that literally made my heart crack wide open. You write this. Yeah, it's so good. If you can worry, you can wonder. If you can doubt, you can dominate. 
if you can spin, you can soar. And I had to like close the book for a minute and just sit with that because that is discomfort and joy in action, right? And so you write every morning when you wake up, new baby nerve cells have been born while you're sleeping and they are there at your disposal to be used in tearing down toxic thoughts and rebuilding healthy thoughts. It's waiting, right? These, this notion, your brain is waiting for you every morning to see if you really, like if you really want to build a new life. That is beautiful. That is powerful. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Like, what, Yeah. So the heart of that, you? the heart of the book, um, there's a lot of great books about overthinking, but a lot mm-hmm. of them come at it from the angle of stop it, stop it, stop it. And yes. I, my thought there was one, I think that's impossible. Two, I'm really good at thinking. Why would I ever turn off this machine? What if I just fed it with good things, thoughts that yes. move me forward, not pull me back? So that's where I said, you know, because I think it's really unfair to an overthinker to say, just stop it as if they go, I hadn't thought of stop. It's like selling somebody who's trying to lose weight. Just don't, don't gain weight. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, I hadn't. That I, that I hadn't considered that. Now that right. you say it, I'll just stop that. So my thought there was like, what if you can actually have good soundtracks that move you forward, like that push you forward? And so that's where that came from was this idea of your brain is really powerful, but it wants to be told what to do. It wants to be led. It wants to be encouraged. Um, and, and the, the, you know, another thing I wrote is that like fear comes free. Faith takes work. So you don't have to look for negativity. It'll find you. Like I told somebody the other day, 18 years ago, I ruined a surprise birthday party. Like 18 years ago. It was, I worked at Bose. Yeah. I thought about it the other day because I ruined it. And then when I walked into the party later that night, the woman who had thrown it said, this is John, everybody. He's the guy who ruined the surprise party. Oh God. So like the other day, my brain was like, Hey, you know what you haven't thought about in a long time? Remember that surprise party you ruined? I was like, how is that helpful? Like, I don't like, I don't want to give half an hour of like this Tuesday in 2021, that thought. So yeah. your brains are kind of eat, they're, they're always bringing up negative stuff, but you have to actually work to, to feed the positive. And so that's where that came from. Instead of going, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like, if you're really good at this, imagine if you fed it with something that was good. Like mm. if, you know, another thing I'd say is that overthinking steals time, creativity, and productivity. So guess what yes. you get back when you learn how to deal with it? Time, creativity, and productivity. And it's gobs of it. And I genuinely believe your thoughts turn into your actions, turn into your results. And there's yes. so much science behind that. And so if you change the way you think, which most people don't even know they have permission to do, but if you can get somebody to change the way they think, um, it'll change the actions they take, which changes the results they get, which changes their life. Right. And it's crazy fun. And it's, you know, it's not easy, but it is simple. Like it's not complicated. There's some simple things you could do. So that's why I was like, I got to write this book. And I couldn't wait for the book to come out after the year we had. Oh, like it- everyone is overthinking. Like, every, like here's the example I like to give. The other day, I, I tell people everything's a thing. Right now, everything is a thing. This dude went to shake my hands and I was like, should I refuse? Should I give him an, uh, like an elbow? Should I fist bump? Should I shake it? But then put my whole arm into a vat of hand sanitizer as if to say, excuse me, sir, I need to scrub off this deadly global pandemic you just tried to merge me with. Um, right. Is this a handshaking room? What does it say about us politically? Like yeah. that all went through my head. You know what I thought about two years ago when somebody shook my hand? Nothing. Nothing. Now every little thing has layers of complexity and overthinking on it. So I couldn't wait to get this book into the conversation because it had helped me over the last 10 years learning how to change my thoughts. And then everyone became an overthinker. And I was like, I got to get it out. 
Okay, a quick pause in our regularly scheduled programming here to remind you that running a business and being an entrepreneur is not (laughs) for the faint of heart. It is hard work. It can be high stress and it requires focus and energy and stamina. Plus, it requires sleep because every time you sleep, your cells turn over and recreate themselves, which basically means you too are reborn every morning. Isn't that exciting to think about? So getting good sleep is critical. And Soul CBD helps me do that with their CBD gummies and bath bombs. Now, one of my favorite pre-sleep rituals is to pop a CBD bath bomb in the tub, light a candle, take two gummies, and catch a certified vibe. By the time I get out of that tub, I'm on my way to a good night's sleep. And then a bonus tip for you. I make sure my phone is across the room. It is not by my bed. I read some fiction to get my mind off the world and into my dreams. Ugh. It's straight up bliss. All of Soul CBD's products are 99% hemp derived, non-toxic, organic, and sustainably sourced. Basically, this means it's good shit. I am so excited that Soul CBD is a podcast sponsor because I'm legit obsessed and I know you will be too. Make sure you use yes and one five, yes and 15 at checkout to get 15% off and get yourself one step closer to reducing your anxiety. And every time you shop using yes and 15, you're not only getting that discount and taking care of yourself, but you're supporting this podcast and the team it takes to make it for you. Even on the back of the book, and this is how you open, I waited 13 years to share this secret. And you've written seven books, a couple of which, uh, two or three, have hit New York Times bestselling mm-hmm. status, right? So, yo, that's a big deal. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, you know, I, I, dude, I'm just going to say it. I, I think this is your best book I've ever read. It's oh, like, thanks. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. I 100% think so too. Like, I, I think it's the stickiest ideas. I think it hits the biggest pain point people have. And I think you get a lot of tangible, actionable things. And then I think there's stories in here, like the buying 48 haircuts. Like people are like, is that really true? I'm like, it is true. And every, I'm getting a haircut this week and I'll have 24 left, which I mean, means I have 48 haircuts. It is a great story in the book. Yeah. And it's a ridiculous story. So I think that's, what's fun about the book is that there's science in it. We researched it. I have a PhD named Mike Peasley who helps me with research. Um, And so what's been fun about my writing process, because I've had people say, well, how has it evolved over the years? It's evolved because now when I have an idea in this room, I then take it to thousands of people and we test it before it ever leaves this room. Mm -hmm. And so, you mean like I'm 45, God help me if I write another book, that's kind of a memoir. Mm -hmm. Like here's my seventh book. That's kind of about my life. Like I want real stories, real research that so somebody can go wow, I'm a stay at home mom, or I'm, you know, I'm a college student and you have an example of how somebody can apply that that looks like me and relates to me. I'm just one person. So if it's only me, it's a really narrow book, but if I'll get thousands of readers who are so kind to do the ideas with me and test them, and then I can use their stories. Like that was one of my favorite things is when it came time to send out books to the people whose stories we had used, there were 35 people on the list. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's right. I, I forgot about like Lachelle's story. I forgot about yeah. Tom's story. It was so fun. Um, so that's, that's one of the ways that I feel like my writings evolved, which is why yeah. I think this is my best book. Yeah. And it's so relatable. And honestly, you c- it's easy to look 
at Johnny Cuff through the lens of like the New York Times bestseller status or an super Instagram tall, feed. really tall. But, yeah, really yeah. tall, yeah. good looking, right, yeah. gents? Yeah. The amount of the amount of gray hair that looks wise, but not in an awkward way. Yeah, I get it. I, I get love it. it so much. I love it so much. Um, no, but it's easy to look at someone who's doing all these things and think, oh my God, what well, easy for them. And and the first thing my knee-jerk reaction when I read this was like, holy shit, him too. Like him too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I cannot believe John A. Cuff overthinks, or John A. Cuff uh, feels like an imposter, or John A. Cuff buys forty-eight haircuts, or John A. Cuff, <laughs> you know, feels guilty. Yeah. When yeah. he leaves his family to go do yeah. the work he loves, and so it's so relatable. And let's back up just a second. So it's not easy. There's a lot of folks that listen that are wanting to speak on stages or write a book of their own or tell stories of their own. And maybe those stages are big stages, or it's just the stage of starting an Instagram feed, right? You know, when you think of like the New York Times bestseller list, right? It's like this holy grail, this um, massive accomplishment, and it's not easy to do. And a lot of people would consider that like, making it i'm doing air yeah sure okay so do you ever feel like an imposter or are oh my you gosh that? yeah okay. totally i somebody a woman asked me the other day she was like hey how do you get over imposter syndrome i thought that was a really good question yeah. i said i think you've got a broken soundtrack soundtrack's just yes. the phrase i use for repetitive thought yes and i said the broken soundtrack is the word over because over is a word of perfectionism and it means you yes. climbed over a wall and you're done with it Yes. The word you should use is how do you go through imposter syndrome because you go through it. So I've written seven books. There's still days I don't feel like a real writer. When I, you know, when I wrote this book, there are times where my wife would come in and she, she would ask me a question. She'd say, okay, I read this chapter. Do you want feedback or compliments? Ooh, and I, I love, love that. that question. I love that. And I wanted feedback. And she, there were times where she'd say, I, I don't see you in this yet. So where my imposter syndrome shows up is when I devalue my humor. I devalue like... The, the gift we have the easiest time recognizing is somebody else's. The yeah. gift we have the hardest time valuing is our own. So I would like push all the humor out of side and go, it doesn't count. I got to do it like this and be a serious writer and a serious. And then it wouldn't be honest to my voice and it wouldn't mm. be relatable and it wouldn't be fun. And so it turns out I make a terrible Jim Collins. I, I'm a sucky Gary Vee. <laughs> I am the worst Mel Robbins. Like I'm just, yes. I don't know if it's a contest. I'm the worst Mel Robbins, but if I can work on it, I'm a pretty decent John Acuff. Yeah. And so like, that's where anybody who's listening, it's like, I'm having a hard time finding your voice. Same thing. You don't find your voice. You keep your voice because mm. the voice is the most slippery thing in the world. And so, yeah, so that's my process is like this constant trying to go, okay, well, how do I keep it? How do I invite it back in? How do I keep it? How do I make sure I maintain yeah. it? But yeah, the imposter syndrome, like, that's I mean, I, what's fun is I'll talk to authors who are way ahead of me. And I'll go, hey, I assume by the time you're as successful as you, like you get to ride ponies around at the publisher, like there's a secret room with like a like a water slide or something. And they're like, no, dude, it's stressful. Like it's <laughs> stressful. And so I think yeah. everybody, everybody feels this way. Just sometimes we, we, we forget that. And then yeah. sometimes people feel like if they share that, there's this old school, there's this old school leadership mentality that wrecks people where it's, if I share my weaknesses, people won't trust my strengths. Uh -huh. I think new school is, if I pretend I don't have weaknesses, people won't trust my strengths. So like I had an interview and say, wow, you shared a lot of your failures in this book. And I was like, I don't really see them as failures. Like yeah. I see them as like, that's part of life. Like mm. it's messy and some things work and some things just bomb. And 
Like, I don't, I can't relate to somebody who all they talk about is their wins no. as if they've yeah. never had a loss or if the loss they talk about was 30 years ago. Yes. I'm like, I know you've had a more recent one than that. Like you got in a fight with your husband, like 100. last week. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's my approach to creating books. And I think it makes them fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it certainly makes them fun to read. So can we talk about Mike Peasley PhD? Um, yeah. Because I, I love how you even like, are like at the beginning of the book, you're like, um, I'm going to say Mike Peasley PhD as many times as I can so that you remember I have a PhD helping me out with this. Well, book. he's thought, so humble that. too. He never says it. So yeah. like, he's the, such a humble guy. And he's like, like we got, we got, it wasn't an argument, but he said, somebody, an author told me that writing a book gives you more clout than having a PhD. And I was like, that's because that author doesn't have a PhD and yeah. they're jealous. And they said legit. a dumb thing to you. You are legit. Like you have a PhD, like yeah. you're amazing. So yeah, we started yeah, working how'd together. You meet him? Like how'd you find him? He found me. Like, so oh, this is one of those, like, this is one of those where people can't help you if you're not sharing stuff. Mm. People like speakers, it's easiest speaking advice. So when you go, I want to speak more, I go, do people know you do it? Yeah. Like, do they, do they know? I you hope do everybody's it? They, listening to that. Yeah. If they don't know you do it, they can't hire you. It's same with like, I, uh, like my wife got on me the other day and was like, Hey, I've noticed that you stopped doing Instagram swipe ups when a new podcast comes out. Yeah. Like, and I think you're being shy. And I was like, busted. So like today, yeah. right before this, I was like, Hey guys, check this out. Like yeah. today's episode is the three words you should say if somebody asks you to work for free. Cause I've learned over 15 years, these three words that magically. Oh, and you- Sam, because I know him. I watched your whole YouTube video about it. It's, yeah, my it's like, what's your budget? What's, what's your, your budget? budget? Because it ta- like it puts, it reminds them, Oh, you're a pro your work mm-hmm. has value. Yeah. And if they say their budget, awesome. And if it works, do the project. Yeah. If they say they don't have one, then you say, well, in order to serve my paying clients, I'm not doing pro bono right now, but thank you for thinking of me. Yes. Done. Like done yes. versus going, yes. I'm going to say it. So anyway, like we're all in that same place, but Mike just reached out and was like, Hey, this was probably five, six years ago. He said, I like what you're doing. I'm a PhD researcher. I'd love to add a layer of research if you'd be Damn. up for it. And I was like a billion yes. percent. So he helped me with finish my book before this one. And then with soundtracks, like people said, people asked me, why did you write it? Well, there's three things that I look for in a good idea. These are the mm-hmm. three, always these three things, personal connection. Am I personally connected to the content? Number two, do people need it? Number three, is there a spot for me in the market? So when I wrote finish, I wasn't good at finishing things. Um, people said, I read your book start, but I've never had a problem starting. How do I finish? I didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Three, I went to Amazon, typed in the word finished. All that came up was uh, dishwasher detergent. Like yeah. today, if you typed in finish in, in Amazon, that's what's coming up. So I was like, okay. wow, that's the Venn diagram. Same with this book. I'm an overthinker. I changed my thinking, changed my life, you know, in 2008. Two, we asked 10,000 people if they overthink and 99.5% of them said yeah. yes. And three, I found that spot where I don't think you should turn it off. I think you should embrace it and just use good thoughts yeah. instead of the negative ones. Yeah. So that's, you know, and Mike adds that layer of research where whether so it's us asking people initially or taking people through positive affirmations and going, did it help at all? Cause it's yes. to me so cheesy and so fluffy. Did we see real change? And then I can go into a company and go, Hey, this might sound silly, like positive affirmation, serenity. Now I get it, right. but here's what we did. And here's what we learned. We so got research. I'm going to leave this right here. Yeah. You can kind of talk, talk around it. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. so good. So does, do you have, um, when we think of imposter syndrome and rituals and focus and all the things required to stay in forward momentum, despite the soundtracks in our head that are going to bubble up based on what's going on in life. Do you like have any habits or rituals like in the morning? Like, do you not look at your email till a certain time? Do you get right into your phone or your social? Like, is there anything you're doing 
at the beginning of the day or the end of the day that kind of sets you up for success? Yeah, so we, we I mean, geek I out have, over this stuff. Yeah, totally. I, I do too. I have soundtracks all over my all over my room. So like, here's one. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, this one says people are trying to give you money. People yes. are trying to give you money because I recognize that I had a broken soundtrack. I lost some money in a bad business deal. And it was really easy for me to hear the soundtrack of people are trying to screw you. Yes. And so then I go into business situations really tight fisted and I'm just looking like, okay, yeah. I got to be on guard. Like where are they? And Negative I, I miss opportunities and, um, and it just, it, it ruins the meeting. So I was like, no, people are trying to give you money. Like this meeting, that's what they're trying to like in the same way that like, whenever I go to a restaurant and the waitress is really rude, I I'm just like, but I'm just trying to give you like, I'm trying to pay you to do your job. Like, I want to yes. give you a bigger tip. Like my goal is to ball out. Like, why yes. are we like, I'm not in your kitchen. Like I didn't right. like, Let's this go. is a restaurant that you work yeah. at. Like you do your thing. I'll do my thing. So I have soundtracks everywhere. I have a wall of 58 right now um, that I'm, you know, that I can look at every time I have one, a new one that I think is helpful. I'll go, okay. Um, like don't put final draft restrictions on first drafts. So don't put final draft restrictions on first draft. Yeah. First draft should be a ton of freedom. You shouldn't spell words, right? You shouldn't get any of it, right? Like don't put a final draft restriction on a first draft. I'm like, okay, well that's helpful. So, good. so I collect them like, you know, I have them all around me, but t today was a pretty normal day where I got up at like five 15 ish, read a little bit. Um, I ran a three, five K, but it was 3.1 miles with my next door neighbor, Ruben. We talked the whole time awesome. and then I came back, showered. I went to a coffee shop. I have to leave my space. Um, I learned that a long time ago. So I went to a coffee shop, did, um, two hours of writing on two different projects. Then I have an entrepreneur's prayer group that I'm in, like these cool. baller entrepreneurs that I've been in for like two years. We did that zoom. And then I did another hour work. Then I went to a sushi restaurant by myself and read uh, Greg McEwen's new book, um, Effortless. Yeah, I haven't read that podcast. yet. And so yeah, that, and then like in the afternoon, I'll do podcasts, I'll record my own podcast. So I've learned high energy, low energy. So like, yeah. here's my high energy stuff. And then like one of the soundtracks in the book is I'm the CEO of me and I'm the best boss. And so what that means is I'm going to, I'm going to set the schedule. I'm not going to let for someone, let somebody else try yep. to set the schedule. And even if I worked at a company, I'm still the CEO of me. I'm like yep. Tom Peters wrote a book called brand new 20 years ago that changed my life. And it was about, you are a brand. And yep. I was in, I was sitting inside the Staples corporate headquarter writing about office supplies. And I was like, hold up, John Acuff's a brand. And if I treated it that way, so like yep. I try to be the CEO of my day, but yeah, little thing I need endorphins. So I, I definitely run. Um, yeah. And then I'll probably close up shop today at like four, four 30. I'm throwing Frisbee with my daughter, my oldest Love daughter, it. who's 17 at four 30. So I'm trying to work like a seven to four, seven to three, um, schedule because okay. you'll burn out faster on something you love than on something you hate. Cause when you hate the thing, you try to do it less. When you ah. love the thing, there's never a time you'll stop. And I, I love what never I never thought about it that way. I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, totally. Totally. And so I want to leave some for tomorrow. So like, yeah. I'll get in a zone. I'm like, I'm going to go, go, but I know like I'm going to burn out. And so I'm always kind of going, okay, well, what am I going to leave for mm. tomorrow? Like hour at a time, hour at a time. Um, that's that's kind of how I, yeah, that's what, that's kind of how I uh, like schedule my days. I love that so much. So, so many good things um, that we talk about all the time here on the show. I read a oh, whole good. chapter in my book about uh, being the CEO of you. So y'all take take it. If you're not going to take it from me, take it from John. Oh, good. Acuff, Look at that right? overlap. That's we, great. It is the perfect overlap. We talk about it all the time. Uh, most certainly in the Vibe and Thrive community. So, okay. What about this? Uh, final two questions for you. 
what, okay, so for the person who wants to speak on stages, big yeah. stages, or the person who just wants to get up the guts to boss up in a presentation or to come on camera on Zoom and do what they need to do to elevate their career and be the boss of themselves, you know, what is your advice for current or it's aspiring keynote speakers? You touched on one earlier where you're like, you have to tell people you want to do it or else no one will know how to hire you, right? So number one, put it out in the universe. Ask for what you want and ye shall receive if you're willing to do the work. But anything else you've learned over your career that you think would land with a keynote speaker? Oh, totally. Uh, do the reps. Do the reps. Here's yeah. a. So I talked to a speaker the other day that was like, hey, I have to give a 10 minute speech once a week at my company. And I was like, cool. And I said, how many times do you practice it? And he was like, well, I don't really practice it. I, I read the notes and then I give it. And I was like, well, then in a year, you're going to get 50 reps. That's yeah. not enough. You should right. do it three times every time you do it. So now you're doing four times. Yes. You get four years of experience in one year, like yeah. do the reps. So like when I give a speech, say I had a speech tomorrow, even a speech that I'd, I'd given some form of a number of times, I do a full dry run where I, I've got, I print it out. Um, I've done a client call and I've threaded things that are specific to the client. So if I'm at ortho and I know that, you know, one of their mantras is because every test is a life, then that's going to be my example. And then like the speech is getting better and better each time I do it because I'm adding new examples and I'm really fleshing it out. So when I go speak at FedEx, I'm bringing forward this idea. When I go speak at Walmart, I'm bringing forth this idea. Um, so I see public speaking as access to 50 of the best classrooms in the world every year. And if I'll pay attention to learn, then the stuff gets better. So I'll print it out. I'll have a Sharpie in my hand. I'll time it. I'm a crazy person about the time. Yep, same. They, if they hire me for 30, they didn't hire me for 35. It's yes. 30. And there's it's nothing 30. worse to an um, event organizer is a speaker going over. Nope. And the, I'll, the way the trick I do is I use my iPhone. I have my iPhone next to me on a table, put it right. in airplane mode. I set the stopwatch because you'll show up at an event and they'll be like, yeah, the clock's 10 miles away. Oh, and it's you analog. can't see it or like, they don't have it. Yeah. yeah. So no, I always have my phone. I always start at the minute I step on stage. That's my timer. Um, so I'm doing things like that. But yeah, I, I think it. it's about repetition. Um, it's about to like speaking change for me when it changed from learning, like performing to serving. Like if I'll go in to say, I'm here to serve the audience. I'm here. Like I win when the event planner wins. I'll tell an yeah. event planner, I'm here for 30 minutes. You're here all year. How do I make you look like a superstar? Because yes. my goal is during the keynote, the event planners getting texts from people going, this is exactly who you should have hired way And that's ago. what you, you have on your website. Like you say that, here's three reasons, like yeah. your website's really great. Um, you say that, and you know what's something else you said, and I don't know if it was on a YouTube or a podcast interview I listened to you on, you said something that I love and I have definitely mm -hmm. borrowed with credit. You said this, you go, listen, there are two events happening at every event. There's the event going on in the main stage ballroom with all the speakers yep. and the fancy people and all that's great and yeah. no disrespect to those people. But there's also another event going on and that's the event I'm chasing. It's the event in the hallway. It's the yep. event over cocktails. It's mm -hmm. the event after they've just heard me speak and them talking about what they're going to do differently and how they feel differently yep. since they've received the information. The, team, the drive back yeah. as a team can be yes. the best event when you're yes. in a car with three team members and you're processing you're a sales team and you came to the regional sales event you have to go back to cleveland like yeah there's yes. all those layers and i think if you'll think about it that way you'll start to see it differently and then like it's still it's just a it's an act of service like clients you serve well want to hire you again clients mm -hmm. if you show up like they're lucky to have you then they you know like and 
like none of us are magic Johnson. Like I don't like, I haven't won any super bowls, but like, you don't have to do that many things to think you're amazing. So yeah. we've all bumped into speakers. You're like, Oh, I had no idea. You were so important. Like, right. It's so, like stuff not a good I tell, like jerks make my job easy. Oh, like, that's what somebody, I say. Yeah. I almost really love do. hearing those stories. And I don't mean that from a mean way. I mean it more like great. It's like a bad salesperson. It's, it's like, so funny. You. Yeah. You've made They'll my job like, easier. <laughs> somebody wanted a, a baby grand piano in the green room to play to relax them before their speech. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't so like, even. When they asked for my list of demands, I'm like, a bottle of water would be nice. They're like, what? Aren't you supposed <laughs> to swear at us? And I'm like, no, actually, I'd like to do this again. So like, I'm going to try to be like, really I'm gracious because I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Like, I'm just genuinely... And I love to do it, which is why, I mean, the last year has been challenging because they know, just haven't same. existed. And so, I mean, I that's know. part of the challenge of figuring out new, you know, new positions to go into or new ideas. Um, yeah. You know, that's why you've got to have more than one income stream. Yeah, you've got to diversify, no doubt about it. And just like you diversify the money in the bank, right? You got to yep. stack those dimes. And that exactly. was, you know, that was very apparent. Um, and, and I think it's going to be a great thing for a lot of our businesses if we're brave enough to really look at what else yep. could be, right? Um, so uh, final question. Um, I know there was a series you were doing on Instagram for a while. Uh, I think it was when you were finishing up soundtracks and mm -hmm. you were doing, and I think it's so funny because I love music. Remember, I want to be a DJ. So yeah. um, you were doing walk up, walk up songs to your yeah. office, like, yeah, like totally. hyping yourself up. And I'm all vibe and thrive. We're all about energy. So what is your current like hype song right now? Like what fires you up? Or is there a song um, lately that you've been calling on? Eminem, eight mile. Eminem, eight mile. Like Always. that one, like, I think um, that's like, I love lose yourself. Obviously it won an Oscar. Like yeah. But the song eight mile, the beat is harder to stay in the pocket on that song. Mm. And like, he has, I don't know how many words it is, but it's, it's quadruple the words in lose yourself. So that one is definitely one for me. Uh, Andrew rip uh, has a song called animal that a lot of people don't know. That's just Ooh. so good. Um, I really like that one. Um, there's a lot of like Fort minor kind of stuff. Um, yeah. like NF motivated grinding. Um, when I'm writing it's ambient, like Icelandic music. That's uh, like Yanni. You, you talk about, oh, yeah, Yanni. I talk about Yanni. Like, it's so funny. He's on an Island somewhere and like Crete and has no idea that I wrote a, like, I, I have like a, like four paragraphs about him in the book you and people really do. I have a Yanni shirt. Like it's from 2016 and people are like, you don't really I'm like, of course, like, if it's yes. in the book, it happened. Like it a hundred percent happened. So like yeah, I love for, for me. I need it. I yeah. need the music. I do too. I do too. And there's certain music for certain things and it's become a trigger for me. Right. So a certain set of music comes on. I love writing to jazz. Like jazz is a big thing. Ah, like okay. Vibey jazz. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a writing thing for me. Um, and that triggers writing, right. Sure. When hip hop's on, it triggers motivation or, um, you know, something I'm worried or fearful. Like if I've got a scary doctor's appointment coming up, I will play the most gangster rap you can imagine <laughs> all the I way to that. that doctor's appointment. And I just I feel so that. hype. Right. Pre-talk, I'm backstage with Sia's Unstoppable, reminding me that I am. And so I love that, you uh, know, again, soundtracks, yeah. soundtracks, totally. right? Totally. Well, uh, I mean, we know that in other parts of our lives. I just think most people don't know that they get to write their own. Yeah. Um, they think a thought is something you have, not something you hone. Mm. And so like, once you realize like, wait a second, I get to write my own, like even Dude. me, like, and I'm going to like, the, the goal of the book is I want to help you change the story you tell yourself about yourself. Cause yes. the story you'll hear more than any other story in your entire life is the story you tell yourself about yourself. Mm -hmm. And just imagine if it was a good one, 
Imagine yeah. if it was one that was kind to you. Like, yeah. what could your day be like? What could your year be like? Words are wands and what a, what a beautiful way to end. John, you're such a gift. Um, where, where's your favorite place to hang out? How can people find you? We're going to link up in all in the show notes. Sure, to all sure. your books. I mean, the podcast is super fun. I'm having a yeah. blast with that. Um, if they're curious, I did an interview with a woman named Colleen Berry. She's from the book. And she lost her job as a documentary filmmaker oh. and had to get a bunch of different jobs. And one was as a receptionist at a company and she changed her mindset. And now she's the CEO of that CEO. company. So she went from receptionist to CEO and she's amazing. I could have talked to her for 10 hours. So if you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to be encouraged again, like go yeah. lit. Like I, this is just me pointing the shine at Colleen Berry because she yeah. is a baller and you it's were going to love good that story. So. Yeah. So check yeah. out all it takes is a goal um, on, you know, I'm acuff.me, uh, Instagram, John Acuff, J-O-N-A-C-U-F-F, same with Twitter. So I'm, I'm in all the places. I love it. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yes. And fam, I hope you loved that interview and conversation with John as much as we loved making it for you. Isn't he awesome? So go check him out in the show notes, grab his book soundtracks. I am not kidding you. It is his best yet. Give him a follow on the Instagram and just let me know what your favorite part of the show was. I Love hearing from you. Uh, so let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram. Tag me on your posts. Or you could always shoot an email to me at hello at judyholler.com. I always love hearing from you. So share your ideas, show inspiration, and more. And P.S. Every month I'm doing an Ask Judy series where you get to call in and ask me questions like old school 90s call in radio. So there's a link in the show notes. Make sure you use it. Ask me your questions for a chance to be featured on the air right here with me and get your question answered. Thank you so much for listening, for reviewing, for sharing the show with your buds. And until we meet again next week, stay brave and keep saying yes.